You're listening to Rocky Mountain Cryptids. Hello and welcome back to Rocky Mountain Cryptids. We're your hosts, Elizabeth, Lisa, and Brian. Today we're going to be talking about the Chupacabra. Dun, 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 dun. Goat killer. Aw. <laughs> I like goats. <laughs> I just don't like their eyes. They're yeah. like, they're so soulless. Like, I get it, the square pupils, but like, oh, some of them like just look like they're staring through you. <laughs> Probably are. I <laughs> respect that though you don't have to like people (laughs) the chupacabra or chupacabras means goat sucker from the spanish chupar to suck and cabras meaning goats is a legendary creature in the folklore of parts of the americas with its first purported sightings reported in puerto rico in 1995 The name comes from the animal's reported vampirism. The chupacabra is said to attack and drink blood of livestock, including goats. Physical descriptions of the creature vary. Some describe it as a reptilian and alien-like, generally as a heavy creature the size of a small bear with rows of spines reaching from the neck to the base of the tail. Others depict it more dog-like or bear-like. Sightings have been reported in Puerto Rico since the 1970s, and this creature has since been reported as far north as Maine, as far south as Chile, and even outside the Americas in countries like Russia and the Philippines. Another similar creature is the Ozark Howler. In Arkansas folklore, the Howler is a legendary creature said to dwell in the Ozarks. The Ozark Howler, or the Ozark Black Howler, legend has been passed down by generations by locals who have heard things they could not describe and have seen things that couldn't be described as an animal that you would expect to find in the Ozark wilderness. Its frightening sound and eerie appearance has been seen in the remote parts of Missourian and Arkansas Ozarks, and even far farther west in Oklahoma and south in Texas. It is typically described as being around the size of a bear with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, and having prominent horns. Most agree that it is either black or dark in color. Its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl and an elk's bugle. Skeptics claim that it's an eastern cougar, a black bear, or some kind of wolf or feral hound. With horns? <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone, yeah, has little party hats. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone put some horns on a bear and released it. But I don't know. <laughs> That's a little... Although someone pushed a bear off a cliff. We learned that in a couple episodes ago. <laughs> like, people are strange. Sightings have been officially recorded since the 1950s, though many Ozark families can pass on stories of their parents and grandparents experiencing the chill of seeing the Ozark Howler well before that time. The howl, as you may expect, is the hallmark of the Ozark Howler. Its sound has been described as very deep and guttural, as well as high-pitched howl. Others have said that it is the most unearthly scream and either half human or entirely monster. One of the most common descriptions of the sound is it sounds like the scream of a woman or a small child. Those who have heard the screams pierce the night, never forget the chill that ran up their spine and the feeling of dread that washed over them. Uh, Was it cougars have like a scream that sounds kind of like a, yeah yeah or small children so that maybe it's a cougar a black black cougar (laughs) panther a panther Mm. yeah really seen around the south too yeah yeah do you think people released big cats oh yeah yeah? absolutely that makes sense like from people used to keep while the tiger king just released (laughs) (laughs) it's like only tigers in these (laughs) walls (laughs) cages (laughs) yeah (laughs) Some claim that the sounds are made by animals most commonly found in the region. They point to the screams and howls of animals like the red fox, fisher cat, and even fighting raccoons. Whoa, I didn't, what? Fighting raccoons. 
Okay, like, I, not I like, need to know not if that's... raccoons meant to fight. They're like two raccoons fighting. Oh, like they're okay. not like a special kind of raccoon that's like a body building. <laughs> <laughs> Do raccoons fight each other? Raccoons are generally peaceful animals that will avoid fighting with each other. However, they can be very aggressive when food is scarce or if the chance to mate. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess they can fight in trees. Between 2005 and 2010, the howler was spotted several times and has also been known to be called the devil cat. A family living north of Van Buren in the Boston mountains of Crawford County set out trail cams after spotting what they believed was a cougar. The images they supplied to a Fort Smith television station appeared to show a big cat similar to a cougar. The problem is that the wildlife officials maintain there is not a breeding population of cougars left in Arkansas. They do not concede that it is possible there might be individual big cats living in the mountains, pointing out they likely were once held as pets but escaped or were turned loose by their owners. I think the same is for London and like, yeah. um, well, not specific, not the city, but like, uh, <laughs> like the Beast of Exmoor. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, there's a lot in like the English countryside, which is really cool, of like big cats like being reported, which is just weird. <laughs> what it is is like when you have a big cat, if you, if you see a big cat in the wilderness, like it wants to be seen. Like normally you never see them mm. and you would never know they're there. Why would they want to be seen? Are they hunting you or? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, because mm. like, or they don't care. They're not afraid, yeah. Call records to the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission during the fall of 2014 include a reported sighting of an animal in Benton Country, Arkansas. In October of 2014, a recorded emergency call received by the AGFC indicated that a motorist nearly collided with an unidentified mammal at 9.45 p.m., On the recorded phone conversation, it indicates that armed state wildlife officers may have been dispatched to investigate what reports described as a bear-sized, gray, fast-running animal on the pump station road in Springdale. That's creepy. Especially gray. (laughs) Bear-sized. Yeah, that's pretty big. Sasquatch running on all fours. (laughs) A gray one. An old boy. Like... I like how we love rationalizing cryptids with other cryptids. (laughs) It makes the most sense that Sasquatch exists and nothing else does. We're all just seeing a Sasquatch. The mermaids are just Sasquatch with a like a fish tail. No, they're manatees with a fish tail. We learned this in episode seven. (laughs) Oh yes, everyone go back to episode specifically seven. In December of 2015, the Arkansas television station 4029 News reported that it had received photographs purported to be the images of the creature from a viewer. The station contacted the Game and Fish Commission, who responded that they had heard no claims of sightings of the creatures and said that the images sent to the station were a hoax, although unconfirmed. Okay, let's now get into some of the encounters This encounter is from the Unlock the Ozarks website, and the date is unknown, although it's from Jasper, Arkansas. I've seen this creature very close to Jasper, Arkansas. I've lived in the Arkansas Ozarks for over 20 years. I had first visual sight of one when I was off Highway 65 on Highway 256 heading towards my home. When I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. I had never seen anything like it. What shocked me the most and what was most memorable was the horns coming out of its forehead. Very much cat-like, but it was its face with its horns that really shocked me. Not believing what I saw until I started doing research on the subject. For over 10 years in a remote region close to Mountain View, Arkansas, you can hear the howl every single night, usually after midnight. I never knew what it was until I did the research. It is very elk-like, almost like a horn, but definitely a howl. If anyone is brave enough, I can show you where exactly I go to hear this and where I made visual contact. Maybe it's really lonely. 
<laughs> I was looking for a friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. Horses do that. Yeah. I know your horse does it every time my horse <laughs> walks away from him. He's like, ah, come back. <laughs> it's so sad. I feel awful every time. <laughs> I know the Ozark Howler was pronounced fake, an elaborate hoax by a college kid, if I remember correctly. I do not know what to call the thing my father described, so it is the howler to me. Missouri of the Ozarks, in particular, is a historically rich and beautiful place. Mountains in the southeast give way to a river valleys in the southwest where I live. Our farm was 120 acres of woods and rolling fields. I'm very jealous. (laughs) I want that. That's huge. Yeah, let's make a ranch out of this farm. (laughs) A large creek that would flood in the spring but run quietly the rest of the year bisected it. Being relatively poor, we lived in a hundred plus year old farmhouse that had its own list of strange occurrences, but creeks and (laughs) (laughs) but creeks and groans were expected. And since we were poor, we subsidized off of venison deer meat that is so i spent a lot of time in the woods tracking and preparing game strands and watching for poachers however the woods took an autumn atmosphere the summer before my 16th birthday most people avoid the woods in missouri through the spring and summer due to ticks chiggers and snakes i love the woods i would purposefully look for snakes and for some reason ticks and chiggers seem to leave me alone lucky (laughs) i still remember that summer it was rainier than most luckily we'd get a deluge in the spring and then maybe a rainstorm once or twice a month in the summer but that season it seemed to rain every day the woods were darker and cooler beautiful too thick carpets of moss covered the hills and long thin fingers of grass would shoot up through it in the southern portion of the woods there was an old pickup truck that had been burned up in the 50s it was normally rusty and bare but this year it had to grown a covering of moss a couple of trees had grown up through it over the years and the story goes that moonshiners had been brewing out there when a bad batch blew and killed a few of them this is the hill country so it's not hard to believe i used the pickup as a marker while i was tracking One day after starting at the northern end, which was a large thicket of cedar trees, and then working my way south to the pickup truck, I began getting the hunter's instinct of being watched. This is normal for me. It's a good indicator that something is out there that is either A, trying to avoid you, or B, stalking you. It's a time to stop, take account of the situation, and begin counter-stalking. This was later in the day and after a rainstorm, so fog was moving in. I ducked behind the truck slowly to avoid spooking what I hoped was a nice buck. There had been a few deer on our land that year. I looked through the rusty window towards the direction I thought my future kill was. Nothing, absolutely nothing, but I still had the feeling of being watched. More intense than I had ever felt it. The only thing I could liken it to was when I was doing mountain treks in Wyoming. I felt the hair on my neck stand on end while I was going around a glacial lake and my mind said, there it is, turn around. When I did, there was a tail of a mountain lion slinking into the bushes. I trusted my senses then and now here I was on home ground feeling like 10 lions were around me. I stayed put until I felt there was nothing there and chalked it up to jitters. The woods felt different because of extra rain. As I left the woods and crossed through the fog near the creek, I felt it again. Not as intense, but again, my mind called out. There it is, turn around. At the edge of the woods was a man dressed in dark mechanics pants and red and green flannel jacket. Poachers were a problem for our poor family. We hunted to support not only ourselves, but others that couldn't afford to buy meat regularly. So I began walking up to confront him. He turned and made for the woods. He made it to the fog bank at the forest edge and I yelled out for him to stop. He kept walking and just seemed to dissipate in the fog the further he got into it. By the time I caught up to where I saw him, there was nothing. No tracks, no disturbed foliage, nothing. I always thought it was odd that someone would wear flannel in the summer. When I returned home, my mother told me that she received calls from the neighbors. One to the north of us reported a wounded horse and a mutilated goat. Other to the south reported two calves and a cow dead and mutilated. I went to see the neighbor with the horse. 
It had four long claw marks on either side of its rear haunches, like something had stalked up to it and tried to drag it down from behind. It reminded me of watching lions take down zebras on Discovery Channel. Mm. The summer continued and odd occurrences continued to happen in the woods. Neighbors all around us reported dead dogs, cats, small farm animals, and the occasional poor cow, all mutilated and chewed up. The constant feeling of being watched. I usually only carry a rifle in hunting season, but I started carrying one constantly later that summer. When the fall hit, I turned 16 and things just got worse. Tracks started showing up on our neighbor's land that representatives from the fishing game swore were grizzly bears. The only bears in Missouri are black bears and all in the southeast near the mountains and swamps. Tracks showed up on our land too. Two big scents, front and back. The front seemed to be long, like a dog's, but wide near the front like a cat's. And no claw marks told me that if it did have claw, then they would have retracted. The rear paw marks were wider, like an animal had massive rear legs for pouncing and the paws to support it. Still, I kept stalking, tracking, and watching. About three weeks before hunting season, I went out early one morning to drop some apples for a deer and check for fresh tracks. Like the day when I ran into the man in flannel, I started at the north end in the cedar thicket and moved south. The cedar thicket has always set me on nerve, but since that day, I avoided it altogether. Tall, dark cedar trees close enough. If you stand up straight, you can't see through the lower bows. So you have to bend at the waist and walk through crouched. The lowest bows are dead from not receiving sunlight and smack you in the face if you're not careful. I am tearing up remembering this. I bent over and began walking through the cedars and my mind said, there it is, turn around. I looked left to the east and near a thick patch of cedars was a freshly killed deer. The thing behind it was huge and black, crouched on all fours like some kind of big cat with but with big yellow eyes, bigger than I've ever seen, and a thick shaggy mane that flowed from just behind its head and to the middle of its back. It wasn't lion or cougar or bear. I've never seen anything like it since. I began walking sideways, determined not to take my eyes off of it. With each of my steps, a guttural purr came from it. Maybe you liked him. The purr would start like a low growl and then end on a high note. That's my reenactment. (laughs) I slowly moved my rifle from the sling to my shoulder so I could pull up quick and shoot if needed. It was so big, I don't know if I would have done any damage anyway. It didn't move, though. I kept moving sideways until I was at an angle from it and then backed up out of the cedar thicket. I stayed bent so I could keep my eyes on it until I moved out of sight. It just laid there and turned its massive head. As I got out of eyesight, I began to hear movement from the direction I had just come and the intense feeling of being watched. It was stalking me now. Here I was, 16 years old, probably going to die. They'd find me later or part of me, gnawed on with giant claw marks through my body. I'm 25 now, and in all my encounters with dangerous animals, I have never run. I ran then, and if it happened again today, I would run. I never run. Never, you understand? Bears, mountain lions, moose. Never. But that thing was not at all natural, so I ran. I continued south to get into clear space. Two thoughts were in my head. Get a clear shot, get into open space, so your body is easier to find. I made it to the old truck. The moss had dried up and was falling off. As I ran up to the man in flannel, oh, as I ran up to it, the man in flannel stepped out from behind one of the trees that was growing through it and pointed towards the trail out of the woods. I turned immediately and sprinted as hard as I could. Whether it was in my mind or actually happening, I felt like hot breath was hitting my back. And then I broke the edge of the woods the mostly unearthly scream sounded out from behind me, half human almost. I kept running until I felt I was clear and turned. Nothing. Nothing had followed me out. A shadow on all fours stalked about 100 feet deep through the woods. I made through the house 
as quickly as I could. When I got back, my dad was sitting at the kitchen table waiting for me. He had been out chopping wood that morning while I was running from the howler. He had heard the scream. He told me he had only heard it one other time. About 20 years before, he was out chopping a tree down near the edge of the woods on the north side near Cedar Grove. When he walked back to the truck to refill the chainsaw, he heard the same scream. He turned and the black thing had jumped up on the tree he had just chopped down and stood there looking at him. Dad left the chainsaw in the truck bed and got in and drove away. That tree is still on the ground today. I don't expect you to believe this, but a few things struck me while I was writing this. One, I feel the fear even today. I had to wipe away tears more than a few times to get through this. Two, the man in the flannel was wearing the same thing the second time I saw him when he was guiding me out of the woods. Moonshiners, even the dead ones, know the woods better than anyone. Third, and lastly this, Predatory big cats will mark their territory in a number of ways. One is to not hunt directly in the territory, but in the surrounding area, much like the area surrounding our land. Needless to say, I did not hunt that year. Wow. Kind of a fun story. (laughs) That's freaky. It's like a ghost story mixed in with a cryptid. Yeah, I feel like that was totally, if it was real, that was totally a ghost. Just like, run this way, my friend, away from the <laughs> scary <laughs> cat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what a good ghost. Yeah, hero of the story. <laughs> the man in flannel. <laughs> now, let's get back into the chupacabra. So, there were many eyewitnesses that came forward, though many of these accounts were later discredited by skeptics that searched for a more scientific and tangible explanation for the strange phenomenon. The most famous of all eyewitnesses was Madeline Tolentino, the first person to give a report of the creature responsible for the attacks. She gave a description of the creature that was full of visually disturbing details like its bipedal nature unusually dark eyes and spikes that could be seen along its back. This sighting didn't match any known animal on the island and was cause for alarm among the community. However, later comparisons to a creature in a recently released movie would discredit the validity of Tolatino's testimony. Madeline's description of the chupacabra wouldn't be the only sighting that reported of a strange and often bipedal creature. Witnesses across the island claimed to see many different variations of the creature. One young college student reported seeing a creature about three feet in height with dark eyes the size of eggs, prominent fangs, and spikes that ran from its head to its back. Many other reports categorized the creature as a large ape that could run on two legs, while even more reports described the chupacabra as jumping on its hind legs, similar to the manner of which a kangaroo moves. These reports were often discredited as missightings due to fear of the part of the witness when they encountered a creature unexpectedly. Later on in the early 2000s, the Chupacabra reports and sightings changed again. Instead of reporting bipedal creatures, many of the sightings were by witnesses who claimed to have encountered a creature that moved much like a canine animal, but had grotesque skin that was often pale and scaly. These reports often differed in many ways of the farmers and citizens that encountered the creatures were able to kill them and have a body to offer as evidence. Though many of the recovered chupacabra bodies were eventually analyzed, none of them proved to be anything more than animals that had been afflicted with parasites. So Madeline Tolentino was the first person to actually see the creature that was responsible for the attacks on the livestock of Puerto Rico, but her report was eventually discredited because of the unfortunate coincidence and timeline that may have influenced what she saw. The issue with Madeline's testimony didn't become evident until skeptic and researcher Benjamin Paradford began conducting his own investigation on the mythical creature, which was later published in his book, The Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction, and Folklore. Redford began interviewing many of the eyewitnesses in the Chupacabra case and was eventually able to retrace the reports back to the first witness, Tolentino. Her report was extremely detailed and accurate. In Redford's opinion, there was no way she had fabricated any other report. Unfortunately, there was one glaring issue that could not be ignored. In July of 1995, the movie Species was released. The film told the tale of an alien-human hybrid that was created by a team of scientists that received the transmission from deep space. 
Everything went according to plan until the alien DNA takes over and turns the hybrid Sill into an unstoppable monster. The appearance of Sill and the alien-human hybrid is disturbingly similar to the appearance of the creature that was described by Tolentino. Redford determined that Madeline had seen the movie and had been, that had been released and just two months earlier and even went as far as to compare the chupacabra to the character Sill. Hmm. While not concrete evidence that was the creature was no more than human imagination, it did present a large problem with many of the original testimonies that were given because Tolentino's reports on the physical appearance of the creature had been read by many people. Because of this, it was difficult to determine whose reports were accurate and whose reports were influenced by Madeline's. It should be made clear that according to Redford's report, he did not believe that Madeline created her description of the chupacabra as a prank. Rather, he believes that the movie had become so real to her that she saw a creature in her yard. Her mind began to draw connections to the situation she was in and the situations that were portrayed by the movie. It is his suggestion that Polentino saw what she did because her mind tricked her into believing in the events of the movie species was unfolding before her. Some would argue that there are specific characteristics that are different enough for the reports that the witnesses could have been reporting unbiasedly. However, the evidence on the contrary is too overwhelming. There were, however, new reports that arose in the early 2000s that shed some of the light of who could be behind the chupacabra attacks. Have either of you seen that movie? No. no. Oh, it's, <laughs> I have. It's, it's a wild movie. Like if you like sci-fi and like scary movies, it's for you. But I don't know. Like the main character is overly sexualized a lot. Ooh. Like the alien lady. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's a little unnecessary, but like, it's not a bad movie. Um, I have a, um, Another report here, it's actually from the Washington Post. It was an article that was written by Carl Ross in December 26th of 1995. A blood-sucking alien predator is ravaging animals throughout the Puerto Rican countryside, or so say this town's mayor and scores of uneasy rural dwellers. Michelle Negron, a 25-year-old college student, is one of the 15 Canovanas residents who say they have had a close encounter with the beast, known here as the Chupacabras, or in its literal English translation, goat sucker. Quote, I was looking off the balcony one night and I saw it step out of a bright light in the backyard, end quote. Negron said, it was about three to four feet tall with skin like that of a dinosaur. It had bright red eyes the size of hen's eggs, long fangs, and multiple colored spikes down its head and back, end quote. True to its name, the creature attacked the family goat, <laughs> draining the blood <laughs> no. from its neck and disemboweling the animal. Tales of bloodthirsty monsters have grasped the collective jugular of this U.S. island commonwealth in the past, but none have left a tangible tale of carnage as extensive as the chupacabras, which by some estimates have already caused 1,000 animal deaths and terrorized the local inhabitants. Quote, a number of my fellow people have lost animals in the past few months we're taking it very seriously because it's killing animals right now but people could be next end quote the government gave some credence to the chupacabra hysteria recently by launching an investigation of the night attacks at least part of the reason was concern about its impact on the tourist industry puerto rico is now rebounding from a drop of tourism and tourist dollars caused by water problems last year and an oil spill two winters ago that washed a black slick onto the beaches around some of san jose's nicest hotels this year officials hotelers and shopkeepers say they are expecting one of the best winters ever provided rumors of bizarre predators don't scare off people the mysterious creature earned its tag because many many of its earliest victims reportedly were goats but accordingly to the nearly daily accounts of animal maulings, its diet also includes cattle, chicken, sheep, pigs, dogs, cats, and even peacocks. Oh. A sportsman and gun collector, Soto led a safari last month to locate the chupacabras, <laughs> combing the thickly foliated foothills of the Caribbean National Forest known as El Yanque. Some 200 town folk civil defense workers and gun packing police and prison guards formed the search party using a caged goat as bait. They didn't beg the beast, but Soto claims that Safari was a success. Whatever it is knows that we're after it now, he said. And if you look at the pattern where the most recent attacks have taken place, you'll see it hasn't come back here. 
Jose Espinosa, public information officer for the state civil defense, said that while many here have mentioned everything from aliens to vampires, he is certain there is a rational down-to-earth explanation for the recurrent attacks, but he has yet to figure it out. Perhaps it is one of those exotic pets, such as alligators or snakes, that were so popular in the 1960s and 70s, he said. It's also possible that an animal escaped from one or two wildlife theme parks that have used to operate here, including one of the Canovanas border. The Chupacabras have begun to acquire an almost outlaw notoriety. The attacks have inspired three songs, countless spoofs on primetime television, and even a new alcoholic beverage, which its inventor said was named after the Chupacabras because nobody knows what's in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's great marketing. I'd buy that. (laughs) Is that beer? Some here trace back the Chupacabras hysteria directly to Puerto Rico's crime tabloid, El El Vaquero, which they say is using the story to boost sales. The tabloid, which has featured the animal's maimings as major story almost daily, has indeed experienced an increase in circulation. Carlos Soto, a veterinarian who has examined the remains of a Doberman pincher and seven rabbits killed by the mystery predator, is convinced that something very strange happened to them. Quote, in each case, the cause of death were two deep puncture wounds under the right side of the neck, Soto said. The wounds extended into the animal's brains, killing them instantly. The Mm. wounds were about the diameter of a drinking straw and three to four inches in length. They weren't compatible with the bite of a dog, a monkey, or any animal I've ever studied, end quote. Soto also noted the presence of a circular openings in the animal's cadavers, so perfect a skilled surgeon couldn't have carved them with a scalpel. What is more, none of the slaughtered animals showed signs of rigor mortis. The rabbits were brought in more than 12 hours after death, Soto said. For Madeline Tolentino, 31, of Canovanas, the chupacabras, no mystery. She and her mother stared at the chupacabras for three minutes or so one day when it paused on the sidewalk in front of their home. Quote, I told my mother I saw the devil, she said. Tolentino said the creature was built like a kangaroo without a tail, end quote. With powerful hind legs, she also noted a web-like film hanging beneath its short, pudgy arms. The alleged sightings was one of the several with multiple witnesses. On that occasion, her husband and co-worker at the garage across the street pulled on work gloves, then tried to tackle it, but it slipped away from them before they could nab it. After it was over, I said to my mother, we better not tell anybody about this because they think we're crazy. That's so interesting because like the other report said that she was thinking of a movie, but like multiple witnesses are happening for this report. What do you guys think? Mm. Sounds like uh, an excuse, but also, I don't know, maybe it could have been like, because horror movies sometimes do psychologically scar people because <laughs> they're scary and then like yeah. it, it can add to your imagination <laughs> so maybe it she did like but multiple not, people so. hmm, mass hysteria <laughs> i don't know did they all see the movie <laughs> i don't know i feel like 50 50 it could be either way in my opinion what do you think brian or it could just be a coincidence too that they just happen to see something similar that also happened that was similar in the movie That'd be so scary. Imagine you went to Jurassic Park and then you see a raptor run. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, I'd be terrified. But you're going to Jurassic Park, you're like, yeah. I'm okay, I'd be excited. To see like, if I'm out, like, in the river valley and I go, you know, oh, there's a raptor that runs by, I'm like, what the heck? Is I'd be going so on? happy. <laughs> I'd be so happy. I'd be like, my life would be fulfilled. <laughs> but nobody would believe you. Mm, that's, that's true. That's okay. So uh, I focused a little more on the dog chupacabras, but here's a little, this was mainly off of mythology.net, but here's a little uh, description of the chupacabra to put you in the mood. You wake up in the morning and call your dog to come in and eat. He usually comes quickly, but for some reason he isn't coming today. I don't like this already. You know <laughs> Go ahead. You wander outside and walk around the corner of your house to see him laying on the ground. Sleeping. (laughs) In the sunlight. Worried, you run up to your beloved pet and examine its neck. Three telltale holes can plainly be seen. A pang of guilt swells up inside you as you drop your head in regret. If only you had brought your dog inside for the night, he might not have fallen prey to the chupacabra. Bring your dogs inside. That's a lesson learned. Yeah. 
<laughs> so depressing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm sad. <laughs> like, oh, that's like the short story I wrote in like junior high, high school. It was on the Chupacabra. Yeah, you should have found that. I, I don't know where it is. But basically, this is... <laughs> oh mom leaves children home alone like on farm the older sibling basically tucks his sister in at night then he realizes the windows are open he's like i hear something oh i better shut the windows then he hears their cow screaming and he's like bessie the cow i better protect her and then he goes in there with his gun but it's too late bessie's gone but then he kills the chupacabra it was pretty like intense like i don't remember it was sometime like it was long ago but yeah it was fun it's like two years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds me so much of that story <laughs> yeah it really did yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many encounters of chupacabras actually involve dogs getting killed, though, because it seems more like it's actually, uh, like, sheep and livestock mm-hmm. and things like that, because none of your encounters had that, and yours didn't really either. Yeah, some of them, like, were just, yeah, like, small animals started disappearing, but they didn't, yeah. And then livestock, mostly. The horses made me sad. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't like horses passing away. It's too sad. yeah. I mean, after hearing both of your encounters, it makes me feel like maybe this isn't as, like, this is a little more skeptical, but uh, I guess there's room for both. Um, like, some of the description we talked about, the chupacabras, scaly or, or spiked skin. Other creatures have, like, a resemblance to dogs and canines with a bad case of mange. Or, like, I think... What are you said bears or monkeys as well? Because there's like two different types of chupacabras. Like the first time it was like what we're talking about was like mm-hmm. the reptilian spikes on this back. And then yeah, like yeah. it had turned into more like a canine, like mangy yeah. dog. Like and then the howler's more cat like or bear with horns. Hmm. Yeah. So if you look at like some examples of dogs with sarcopic mange, they look a lot like what could be described as a chupacabra. Yeah. Like, I have pictures here. I know it's sad, but like, (laughs) like, their skin is totally different, right? It just needs a nice bath and the nails done. (laughs) Or like, even wolves with manes, they look fairly different. So, it has like this scaly skin, right? Can you see that? Although the spines. Yeah, that part's like very distinctive. So like, is it dogs that are just loose or is this something else? Aww. So it, it could be maybe both. So uh, despite the number, high number of prank calls that claimed to have spotted a chupacabra, there were reports of creatures that gave insight into why so many of these kind of reports continued continue to pour in. And perhaps even more importantly, reports of farmers who believed they killed a chupacabra and these kind of reports became popular as well. And they had these bodies to study, right? But the results of many of Cargus's uh, were disappointing for some scientists because uh, like, it kind of leads towards why this myth had emerged in the first place. Most of these corpses, or none of them apparently, uh, were new life forms, right? They were common predators like dogs, coyotes, and raccoons. And had a bad case of sarcoptic mange. So sarcoptic mange is a type of parasite. So it's caused by a type of parasite, uh, also known as canine scabies. This type of mange is caused by a burrowing mite that digs deep into the skin and causes an allergic reaction. The symptoms of the reaction often disfigure the animal to some degree manifesting itself in crusting and possible skin damage from attempts of the afflicted animal to scratch and bite the affected skin. So while it seemed that these animals wouldn't be too different from the expected form of a canine, the extent that the infection can spread can severely disfigure and transform the appearance of the creature. Specimens that have severe cases experience immune system suppression which leaves them vulnerable to other conditions and increases the number of mites that can be infected on the host the result of the process is so severe that not even the farmers who shot the creatures were able to distinguish them from normal predators that might attack their livestock like coyotes or raccoons 
causing them to think that a chupacabra was responsible. So that could be one source of chupacabras. Hmm. And then the blood loss, because, you know, that's one of the major things. And this doesn't explain, like, the surgical aspects, but, like, uh, the the lack of blood. Well, not every carcass that was left behind by a chupacabra was able to be examined. Majority of corpses that were examined by veterinarians were shown to have some blood remaining in their bodies. Uh, the blood loss of livestock and other animals was significant, but the veterinary autopsy gave some important answers. Um, so the carcasses that were available for studies showed signs of lividity, and this occurs when the blood from the animal gathers in the lowest point of the body and begins to thicken, and it gives the illusion that a body has been completely drained of blood, but the blood is just dried in a certain area. So that could be another potential knock on the chupacabra mythos. Um, so then, then the bite marks, uh, because the bite marks align with the canine teeth of common predators like dogs and coyotes, it's arguable that it's entirely possible that these are the creatures that are responsible for the kills. Um, but I know there's like sometimes three or four puncture marks, right? So um, a dog that was suffering from sarcoptic mange might not have been strong enough to eat the corpses, which would explain why the creatures died from blood loss and didn't have missing flesh. Hmm. And scientists argue that a creature the size of the fabled chupacabra would not be able to sustain itself on blood alone. That's true. I can see that. Other snacks, perhaps? Mm. Some toes to go with the blood. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it, vampire bats only drink a teaspoon of blood. Oh. Do they really? Yep. Huh. Super cute. <laughs> they are really cute. They run. <laughs> they run along the ground. <laughs> Misunderstood creatures. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny, though, is how much all of this reminds me kind of of some of the alien things we were talking about on Skinwalker Ranch last episode. Like certain things, the cattle mutilations, and then also yeah, like surgical right. precision. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Some weird stuff. Yeah, like just how many varied reports of chupacabras makes me feel like they're probably different things. Like mm. a bunch of things grouped into chupacabra. Maybe there really is a chupacabra out there, but a lot of people are just seeing like a mangy dog. Thinking yeah. is yeah. or the howler, yeah, the howler, <laughs> right? Because the howler is more distinctive; it like has horns, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. more bigger. Yeah, the Jersey Devil, yeah, and fuzzier, yeah. 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 But it seems like a lot of creatures, like because the descriptions are so varied, like the the, the ones with the spiny backs and the mm-hmm. lizard like, yeah. So you know, it's kind of interesting how it changed over time yeah and i don't know how that like results in like the surgical precision thing so one one theory too is that uh the chupacabra are caused from scientific experimentation by the united states government Ooh, i like that one of course they would just release it everywhere (laughs) many who believe in the chupacabra and our locals of puerto rico see the creature as a real phenomenon that was caused by the irresponsible and likely illegal experimentation by the united states they point out that the United States conducts research in the El Yunque rainforest, which was like the same area that you had talked about. Uh, yeah, having, having encounters. encounters yeah. Uh, not far from where the August 1995 attacks took place. This theory can't be entirely discredited, though, because skeptics do have a counter theory. If you were to speak to the natives of Puerto Rico and ask them about their perspective on the United States, you're more likely to hear negative critiques than praise as a non-state territory. Okay. Puerto Rico doesn't have full rights, but can't claim sovereignty, making the United States less than admirable in their eyes. Uh, so skeptics propose that the negative feelings displayed towards the United States could just be a cause for this, like, blaming the Chupacabra settings on them, right? <laughs> it is easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Here's another thing that I think kind of leads towards the, the sarcoptic mange theory, because, like, there's actually a ton of stray dogs and cats in Puerto Rico. Uh, there's been estimated as many 300,000 stray dogs and over a hundred, no, over a million stray cats on the island, but no one knows the exact number. Aww. In 2010, there was an Emmy-winning documentary about the stray dog problem in Puerto Rico called uh, 100,000. But, I mean, the number would have gone up by then. 
which was six years from this article, which is 2016. So I imagine it's even higher now. And they just don't like have a, there's not much like for spaying and neutering for dogs and shelters are overcrowded. So there's just not anything that's really being done to address it. But if you have all these stray dogs running around, they're got to eat something. That's a lot of stray dogs. You would think that they could be attacking livestock. And if they get diseases that seriously disfigure them, then. Yeah. So I feel like just the number of dogs that have to eat are a pretty good sign that that could be accounting for at least some of those encounters. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at night. Seems scary. Right, right. And people get like afraid easily of things. So, like, they look (laughs) different. Like you said, it happens at night. Um, but like this doesn't all all just uh, fall on dogs or dog like animals. There's also bears. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Hmm. Yeah. Mangy bears. Yeah. Aww. And they look also weird. Here's uh, what kind of bear is this again? A, a spectacle bear at the Leipzig Zoo. So here's an example of a of a bear that's going bald. <laughs> so it also looks like it could be a creature you know it's so evil looking I'm so sorry bear <laughs> it's just the head the shaved head it looks so evil it looks so funny though like it looks like a different creature like it looks right. like a cat that reminds me of the howler right if it had horns because it totally <laughs> looks like the howler with the yeah the claws yeah because it looks like it could be a big cat or a bear but yeah it's scarier than it is because, I mean, it doesn't have any fur, so you see the Aww. claws, you see the mm-hmm. eyes. Although, like, if a bear did have mange, it probably wouldn't be that great at hunting. Would it still be? Well, that's probably why it's going after livestock. Hmm. But then again, it doesn't explain, like, the, you know, three puncture wounds. And, like, yeah. Because when a bear attacks or, like, a cougar attacks, you're going to have almost what, like, happened with the horses and, like, the howler, <laughs> ep- like, evidence. Yeah, evidence. is like, they kind of, like, go... They either go for the neck or the hind quarters, right? Um, so I'm going to leave you with this story about uh, a bear that is mistaken for an animal, like a weird animal, right? So Malaysian workers at an oil palm plantation received the shock of their lives recently when they came face to face with a mystery animal they claim attacked them. The incident caused some controversy, even inciting fury among environmentalists and animal rights groups, as the workers apparently filmed themselves defending against the attack. Now, questions of animal cruelty are being leveled against the employees, as the mystery animal, which appears to have suffered from a skin disease, may have been identified from the video they made after the incident. Initially described as dog-like, but also bearing monkey-like characteristics, the creature, which appeared to be mostly hairless, was seen on the edge of the forest before it charged at the workers. A news report originally appeared in the Straits Times indicated that the workers defended themselves by striking the mystery beast. Mm-hmm. Australian Nine News reported the unusual animal that looks like a tailless dog crossbred with a monkey was caught <laughs> on camera by a group of Indonesian workers last Friday. Uh, one of the group who saw the beast said workers were shocked when the animal launched itself at them. Creature purportedly passed out after one of the workers struck it, then it woke after several minutes, and the workers chased the animal back into the forest nearby. The entire story of a hairless dog monkey might have seemed unbelievable had it not been for the fact that one of the workers filmed the animal shortly after the so-called attack, documenting the experience, as well as offering clues about the creature's identity. Environmentalists now believe they have identified the creature as a Malaysian sun bear. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the Street Times reported that Nature Talks Back, an environmentalist group commenting on the incident, also condemned the workers in Sarawak for beating the animal who had wandered into the plantation until it passed out, and which was also filmed. So, I don't know how credible their, their reports were, right, if this had actually attacked the workers or not, but this could be like, you know, fear of a creature that they can't recognize. Yeah. And That's sad. Some bears are so cute. They remind me I of know. my Dash and Barley. They're your faces. Yeah, they're really Ooh. cute. Justice for sun bears. If you see a strange creature, don't attack it. Report it to your fish and wildlife officers. <laughs> <laughs> the game wardens. 
but you don't can, attack it with shovels. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see how different a bear looks when it's uh yeah, like yeah. without yeah. hair. So, oh, it's so I'll, po- I'll post it on the Instagram too okay. so people can see. This isn't a horrifying <laughs> <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I mean, this bear is a different bear, Aww. but like you can yeah, still kind what of a bear. Yeah, it's yeah. a horror yeah. thing. Not a real bear from story. That's some yeah. But it's just interesting how different animals can look when they're like have a disease or yeah. and I guess like even people have been uh treated badly when they've had diseases too, mm-hmm. right? In the past. So it's yeah. But who really knows what's out there? Is there the chupacabra? Right. Is it a mangy bear? Like a howler? A howler. It could be anything. Could be an Ozark howler. Anything happening. US experiment. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot of conspiracy theories on that. <laughs> Yeah, so this is like the last kind of little episode for the summer. We're actually moving into summer of the squatch coming up. So mm-hmm. summer solstice, June twenty first. Yes, we're gonna have uh, the summer of the squatch merchandise back out. We're gonna have some new fun colors for this season that we all picked out. So I look forward to that. We'd also like to thank your friend Alex who donated um, this microphone to us that we're using today. So thank, thank you, you, Alex. You're Yay. awesome, Alex. <laughs> thank um, you for listening. Yeah. Make sure to give us a review if you enjoyed this episode and check out our website. www.rockymountaincryptids.com Until next time, you're listening to, to Rocky, Rocky Mountain, Mountain Cryptids. Cryptids.